Welcome to Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia. Today's speaker is Stephen Brannan. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, God is one. Amen. Today we celebrate the motherhood of the Blessed Virgin Mary. This is a feast day that is uh, set aside specifically to uh, remind us and draw our hearts into the celebration of the fact that one of our fellow creatures, our sister, as a creature, was chosen by God to give flesh to his eternal son in the word. And that flesh that he chose was not just any flesh. He didn't clothe himself with the dust and mud of the earth like he formed the first man. Instead, he took our flesh through a girl named Mary, Miriam, probably in Aramaic or Hebrew. And he chose her for no other reason than we see immediately in the Gospels than the words that we hear from the uh, Archangel Gabriel. Hail Mary, full of grace. The Lord is with thee. It's from these words and from church tradition and and just holy reflection that the church has understood Mary to be not just exceptional because of the vocation for which she was chosen, but exceptional because of who she was in her person. She was among all the people in history, among all the creatures in the universe, chosen to bear the Son of God, into this world and to give him flesh. What kind of person is it that God chooses to accomplish this? Well, when she encounters the angel, we hear her ask one question, how is this going to be because I am not married, essentially? And the angel tells her that the Holy Spirit is going to accomplish this in her. But When the angel tells her her vocation, she doesn't ask questions about what he means. She doesn't ask, wait, you're talking about the Messiah, right? She doesn't ask, oh, wait, is this this that thing that I had heard about? Um, Or is this something totally new that none of us were expecting? What's going on? I I don't understand what you're saying to me right now. She doesn't ask anything like that. We can presume that's because she knows in her heart, what God is planning. Not the details. She didn't know she was going to be the one. She didn't know how exactly the uh, conception was supposed to take place, but she did believe in her heart the words that the angel spoke to her and comprehended them. She understood the message of the angel. She understood the thing that God was planning to bring about. So she was studious. She was a student in the law. She was a student of God. She was prepared in her heart already to receive what was to enter her womb. She was prepared to receive God in her heart at every moment. And when the message came to her with details that she didn't know about, she asked the one question to discover mostly what her role was supposed to be. How how is this supposed to be accomplished. In other words, what do I need to do? The angel reassures her and says, 
the Holy Spirit will come upon you and accomplish this. And then what does she say? She says, let it be done unto me according to your word. Just as you've spoken, I am the handmaid of God. In fact, she calls herself the handmaid of God when she sings her Magnificat later in the next chapter, or maybe the same chapter, when she goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth and she says, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. She says that he has done amazing things for those in the lowest places and those who have haughty imaginations about themselves and their role in the world, God will be humbling. And the humblest person of all, Mary herself, the handmaid of God, is going to be exalted to the highest place. And the way that she is exalted is not just by God praising her or seating her on a throne without going through that which she's called to accomplish. The way she becomes exalted is by doing what she was called to accomplish. And what that calling was is what we celebrate today, her motherhood. We have um, kind of a mixture of propers in our mass today that focus on different things. Some of our propers focus on the theological miracle of God taking on flesh. It talks about praising the womb of Mary as if this is just, you know, amazing in itself that God could take flesh from a creature. That is amazing in itself. And that is deserving of our praise. We, we marvel at that and we praise God with awe for making that a part of his plan for us uh, in our salvation. But then we also have the scripture reading, our gospel reading, which not only praises the miracle, the theology itself, but focuses in on Mary the person. Mary was not a womb for hire. She wasn't just anybody that God put his son into. She was special. Her heart was worthy enough for her womb to be filled with God. And so we have sort of this dual thing that we are celebrating and holding up today, both the miraculous theology of God entering our world and taking on our humanity. Sometimes we usually actually think of it like that, God coming down to us to uh, take on our humanity. But the fathers and mothers of the church also often speak of it as God drawing our humanity up into himself, because that's ultimately what's happening. That's ultimately what he accomplishes by, uh, as St. Paul says, and the Psalms, going down into the lowest, he then raises all that is there up with him to the highest. And he accomplishes that by becoming human. He doesn't just look human or sound human. He is human. There were a lot of controversies in the early church about, um, the nature of the incarnation. There were a lot of people, bishops, even in the early church, who said, you know, Jesus is pretty amazing, but because he's so amazing, he probably wasn't fully human. Maybe he wasn't fully one of us. Not really. He looked like us, and he, he had to look like us in order to interact and do all the teaching and stuff, but 
yeah, I don't think he could have really been us because how could God be crucified on a cross? The objection is understandable. It is a horrible thing to think about God hanging on a cross while the crows look from afar and, and you know, normally they would want to be uh, picking off the, the dead things hanging there on those awful trees. But I wonder if the creatures on that day thought didn't even cross their mind because somehow they perceived this is the creator of the universe. Was it that the world perceived something that those nailing him to the cross didn't? It is terrible to think about. And so some who called themselves Christians weren't able to get there. But the church always pushed back and insisted, no, it really was God hanging on that cross. He really had flesh of our flesh, bone of our bone, blood of our blood. He had our breath. He had our soul. He was everything that we are. In fact, we know this because he saved us by being one of us. If he wasn't, as St. Athanasius said, everything that we are, then he couldn't have saved everything that we need saving. If he didn't have our soul, then our souls couldn't be saved. If he didn't have our true body, then our bodies couldn't be resurrected. He saved us by becoming one of us. And he did that through taking the flesh of the womb of the Virgin Mary. Incredible. It's an incredible thing. I don't know how often we contemplate the mystery and the miracle of the incarnation, but it is, along with the mystery of the Holy Trinity, the central thing to our faith. So we contemplate that today. The fact that God took true flesh from a true human whose name was Mary. So Mary truly was the mother of God. She wasn't just the mother of the man Christ. She was the mother of God because God was in her womb. But there's more to being a mother than just imparting flesh and giving birth, isn't there? As all mothers know, motherhood doesn't end with birth. In a sense, motherhood just starts then. It is a remarkable and irreplaceable experience, something that only mothers can experience, to carry a child in their body, in their womb. But then, once the child is birthed, they're still so intimately connected with their mother. They feed from their mother. They gain their life from their own mother. And then that mother, even after the children are weaned, walks with them, teaches them, helps them up when they fall and skin their knees, gently rebukes them when they've wandered off and they get worried and can't find them, like the story from our gospel today. Jesus, why have you treated your father and I like this? We've been looking for you. We've been so worried. Well, he didn't understand their worry. Otherwise, he would have never stayed behind what he was concerned about was the business of his Father in heaven. And he accepted the light rebuke from his mother because he learned in that moment what she had been going through and, and the pain of motherhood, the pain you experience when your child is giving you worries. Jesus was sensitive to that. 
but so is Mary. All of those precious moments we read time after time in the Gospels, she treasured them in her heart. This was the mother that God chose, a mother worthy of bearing him in the first place, a mother capable of raising him, and a mother who rightly, meetly treasured in her heart all those precious moments as the Son of God made the Son of Man grew up year after year, had birthday parties, had made friends, lost friends. Mary was there through all of that. And so she gives us, through the contemplation of her and her motherhood, a unique way of contemplating Christ. Christ is our God. He's the center of our faith. Sometimes people who aren't Orthodox or or just becoming Orthodox have a, a, a problem. They don't understand why it appears like so much of our time and reflection and attention is given to Mary when Christ is supposed to be at the center, right? Well, of course Christ is at the center, but sometimes it's difficult for us to get to that center. And Mary acts like a bridge for us because she's always connected to her son. But she also reaches out to us as our fellow creature and invites us through her to a more intimate contemplation of her son. She invites us through her to a more perfect vision of his face. She is called by some of the medievals the star of the sea or the the mariner's star because she acts as a guide to us, you know, uh, boating out here in the dark, trying to find our way to the harbor. When we look to her, she guides us to the harbor. She herself is not the safe harbor. She's not the land, but she is the star and the guide. She's the port itself, the gate that opens and welcomes us in so that we encounter Christ. That's how we think of Mary. Mary is not God. She's a creature just like us, but she is the creature who bestowed upon her own creator the creatureliness that he now shares with us, that created stuff that we call human nature. God, our God, who made us, is now one of us so that we can become more and more like him. And his gate into this world was his beloved mother, Mary. And so we rightly call her our mother too. If we are brothers with Christ, then Mary is made our mother. When we celebrate the motherhood of Mary, we don't just contemplate her motherhood of Christ, but we also give thanks for and welcome her motherhood for us as she in heaven continually intercedes for us because of her love for us flowing out of her love for her son. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, God is one. Amen. Talks at Advent. Homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia.